Good morning. Two young boys in a Catholic school had been continually misbehaving and were sent to the principal's office on several occasions. The principal knew that what they really needed was to have God in their lives, so she brought the first boy in and sat him down. I want to ask you a question. Where is God? The young boy was scared to death by the question. He didn't know how to answer, and she told him that she wanted him to think about that question. So. She sent him out of her office after asking him three or four times, and as he was leaving, the second boy, whose turn it was to see the principal, asked the first, what's going on? The first boy said, I don't know, but God is missing, and they're trying to pin it on us. <laughs> Have you ever asked the question, where is God? Think for a moment about when you might have asked that question. What place in your life were you at? I would suggest that it might have been at a time when things weren't going so well for you or so great or someone you love, perhaps. And maybe you're even asking that question this morning because of some sort of grief or pain in your life currently, but I think we can all identify with that phrase, where is God. There are lots of reasons to mourn, but there's good news I'd like to share with you today that comes from the scripture we just heard, specifically from verse 21, where it can be translated, happy are those who weep. But before we look specifically at that verse, let's make sure we understand the context of where that's coming from. Like in the Gospel of Matthew, Luke's Gospel contains Beatitudes as well. That's why we have them there. Beatitudes, as a reminder, are statements of characteristics and blessing and are part of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus spoke of. Each Beatitude looks at different circumstances of life and how all Christians are blessed through their faith. Through them, Jesus teaches virtues and values in life that will result in blessings and rewards. And these beatitudes are not singled out for any specific person. They are blessings that are applicable for everyone, to all Christians. And the interesting thing today in scripture is that four of those blessings that are in Matthew are the ones that are included in Luke, followed by four woes which mirror the blessings or just the inverse of those blessings. They are basic teachings of the faith if not completely easy to understand. And I think you could ask that question, why? What, how can those who are sad be happy? I, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. What makes it all the more difficult to understand is why we would choose to be this way. Why would we choose to be sad, especially when the rest of the world expects us to be happy all the time? We hear words and phrases and songs like, don't worry, be happy, if you heard of that song, and put on a happy face and turn that frown upside down, don't be so sad, choose happy, hope your day is a happy one. We want people to be happy, generally speaking. We never hear, don't worry, be sad. 
Put on a sad face. I hope you had a really sorrowful day today. Choose today to be grief-filled. There aren't too many sayings, if any, that direct us to be sad, which is why what Jesus said in the Beatitude is important for us to understand. Why did he say, happy are those who weep? Happy are those who are sad. Happy are those who weep now, really? It doesn't make much sense. It's so opposite of anything we would think. It doesn't sound like being very happy to me. What does Jesus mean by this statement? And when can we expect to find laughter later from our tears today? There may be three instances in which we come to weep. The first two you are very familiar with and probably have experienced before. That's grief and pain, and we'll get back to that in just a minute. But there's also another instance which is found in tears of true repentance. That is, tears that come from knowing that we've done wrong in the sight of God. As we confess our sin, we recognize that we have not been faithful in some way, and our tears are an indication of that. It's not grief or pain, an acknowledgement instead of wrongdoing. In any instance, when we come to weeping, there is this wonderful promise in this verse that says, while we may weep now, laughter will eventually take its place. Let me read a quote from uh, Church Father Augustine who said this, if you propose a choice between these two things, which is better, to laugh or to cry? Is there anybody who wouldn't prefer to laugh? Because repentance involves a beneficial sorrow, the Lord presented tears as a requirement and laughter as the resulting benefit. So crying is a requirement, laughter is the reward of wisdom. And he wrote laughter to mean joy. We could actually experience true joy after weeping or mourning. Being sorry for our sins may bring us to tears, but there is a promise that we, when we have come through the process of repentance and have learned to trust God again, we will indeed learn to laugh again. So our tears today will turn to laughter later, even in the midst of our mistakes of following the Lord. That's the first instance in which we might find sorrow. That's godly sorrow, and it makes us weep at times. There are also two blessings in disguise that cause us to weep, and I mentioned them before. The first one is grief. All of us have broken areas or do have broken areas in our lives, things that bring us grief. We weep for our past mistakes. We wish we wouldn't have done this or that. We have hurt people and we have been hurt by others. We weep our loss of control and that's what happens when we finally face the truth that we are powerless to control our tendency to do wrong and that our lives are unmanageable. We weep in grief when we experience loss and not just the loss of a loved one. However we experience loss in our lives, it is difficult for us and causes us to be deeply sad and the grief shows itself in our tears. 
But, and here is where, if we'll allow it, our tears may turn to laughter, through grief, God has a way of showing us the path to comfort and wholeness, even though it may be a difficult path to travel. We still have to travel the path. As long as we don't get stuck in our sadness, weeping in grief can serve as the pathway to the help and the hope God has already promised all of his children. Listen to Isaiah 61, verse 3. God will bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That's when we come through grief, and that's the first blessing in disguise. The second blessing in disguise that causes us to weep is pain. Pain is God's antidote for denial. Denial is a defense mechanism in which an individual refuses to recognize or acknowledge objective facts or experiences, meaning we look at truth but we don't want to acknowledge it. It's an unconscious process that serves to protect the person from discomfort or anxiety. It's actually like a sickness. Here's what C.S. Lewis said about pain. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And I say pain is God's way of letting us know that something is seriously wrong and needs our attention. For example, and this may be a little blunt, but if our appendix bursts and we don't feel pain, then we're probably going to die. Again, to put it bluntly, but this is to say that pain is God's fire alarm. It's an indicator. I have a question. Are you one of those people who ignore or disarm detectors by taking out the batteries? Like when they start to beep, do you pull out the battery and don't put a new one in? Sometimes that happens. Many do the same thing with pain. It's almost exactly the same thing. We try to mute the noise and we do it with other people or work or food or alcohol or lots of different other substitutes. But if we ignore the alarm, the house could catch on fire. It's important to remember that just because God allows pain to enter our lives does not mean that he causes the pain, and it certainly doesn't mean that he enjoys seeing us in pain. Pain is often a consequence of our poor choices or the poor choices of others. And God allows these poor choices to play out so that we can learn from them. God loves us and wants to lead us out of our pain and into his healing, of course, and the miracle is that God can bring good out of our pain by using it to lead us to his comfort and away from our own denial. I have a scripture quotation that has been on my desk for some time now. It's from Romans 8, 28. You've probably heard it before. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And the objective word is all in all things God works for the good 
So denial is a refusing God's power to help us. The only antidote is to confront our pain, and when we do, weeping is a natural outflow. Instead of excusing ourselves from the situation, we begin to accept it, which is what we should do, and that's just the point. When our weeping begins, that reveals a way out of our pain. So in the same moment that we weep from pain, there's also the beginning of a way out. We rarely change when life is cool and comfortable. We don't really do too much until the, the heat is on, if you will. And it's been said, the acid of our pain finally eats through the wall of our denial. Most people never choose to move toward healing until there is no other option. Three truths remain, though. God knows about our situation. God cares about our situation. And God has the power to change us and our situation. There may be tears now as we consider where we are, but as God works his way in us and through us and through our situations, the tears lessen. And as we see the faithfulness of God and understand his wisdom, those tears have the opportunity to be turned to laughter in due time. Preacher William Willimon tells the story of a newly widowed woman. She told him, I'm surprised by the difficulty I've had getting over his death. I do all right for a couple of days and then something will hit me. I'll open a drawer or see an old photo and I'm undone. And then she said, I've got to make more progress on this grief. You are, Willimon replied to her. Willimon had learned quickly as a pastor that grief is only dangerous when it is unable to grieve. The strong ones are those who are strong enough to weep. And it is this kind of wisdom that eventually turns weeping into laughter. In this case, by relying on God's strength in times of trouble and in grief or loss. You've heard the psalmist say, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. True comfort in our grieving or pain can really only be had by those who are in a relationship with the Lord. Our faith asserts that God gives life and hope and confidence in the midst of the trials and tribulations we face. Maybe it's a cancer diagnosis. Perhaps God gives hope in the midst of chemotherapy. Maybe it's a failed job interview. Even then, God gives the promise of provision in Scripture. There could be myriad of things that cause us to weep, but when we recognize God is in the midst of our weeping, that we are not alone and that God is with us, we begin the journey out of our pain or sorrow and eventually we'll come to a place where the joy of God's presence outweighs the grief and that although there are tears today, there will be laughter later. So let me ask you this morning, are you going through a time of weeping? And if you're not the one going through a time of weeping, I bet there's someone in the room that is. 
Have you been convicted of some sin that has caused you to weep for forgiveness? Are you going through some time of pain? The promise of today's scripture is that even though there are tears today, in time there will be laughter later for those who will trust God, who will put their hope in him and allow him to provide what is needed. There is future joy for those who will see God in the midst of their situations and who will hold out until the time of weeping passes. Certainly, we wouldn't suggest that we should be sad, as I kind of alluded to in the beginning, but in the course of our lives, sometime in our lives, when we find ourselves experiencing grief or pain or sorrow, may we remember Jesus' words that say that God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. Brothers and sisters, here is the truth. There may be tears today, but if we trust and hope in God, there will be laughter later.